I guess it, it came to a point of me embracing that that's who I am. It is songs about zombies and ninjas and Doctor Who and Lego and such is just what I've got to do because it's what comes out of me naturally and works. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, what's going on? This is Brie Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And if you've listened to our show for very long, we've actually been on the air for two years, if you can believe that. I think April 1st was our two-year anniversary. We have generally had interviews with artists over the last two years. I've started doing more solo episodes, answering your questions, and I've kind of mixed those in without, throughout the interviews. But we are starting kind of a new format that I'm so excited about that we've been starting over the past few weeks of my weekly Facebook live show called Indie Interactive that happens every Wednesday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Women of Substance Radio and Podcast Facebook page. And I'm broadcasting that, an edited version, on the podcast every week, comes out on Thursdays. Now, that doesn't mean we're abandoning interviews. In fact, this episode is a new interview episode, and I am attempting to do those every other Monday. Um, so we'll be doing weekly episodes on Thursdays that are from my Facebook Live. And maybe sometimes I'll even bring some guests onto Facebook Live in the future, which will be super fun. But we'll also be doing our um, Monday interviews every other week. And today we have one of those. But before before we get to that, I want to let you know about something really cool that's going on right now. If you're listening to this as it comes out on Monday, April 24th, we are doing our five days to your first or next 100 super fans. I am so excited about this five day training and it's happening all week this week. We have daily assignments. We have daily Facebook lives in relation to it, but you have to be in the training in order to get them. So it's totally free to register, but you need to go to femmusician.com and click on the super fans tab, and that will take you right to the challenge so you can get involved in our five-day training and you'll get all the assignments by email. You'll get into a uh, closed Facebook group where we're going to be doing all of our discussion and assignments. And, um, you know, you can ask me any questions you have along the way. It's very, very involved and very engaged. So jump on over there, femmusician.com. Um, and click on the Get Superfans tab to get involved in this training. And I'll also have that posted on our show notes on episode number 85. That's femmusician.com slash 085. You can go there to also sign up for the five days to your first or next 100 superfans training. And the superfans training is actually very related to the artist that I'm talking to today on our interview. She has a very niche audience 
or niche, 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 however you like to say it, wherever you are in the world, niche. Um, People have different ways to say that. I should have asked her how you say it in Australia, but she has a very niche audience. Um, It's a little bit leaned toward the geeky, um, as she says, Doctor Who, Comic-Con, Lego, just, you know, kind of that nerdy, geeky, but fun style. And, you know, she's all about that. She's very well known in that area in Australia. And, you know, so she really talks about how she's created this special fan base of very specific kinds of people. So it works really well with our super fans five day training that we're talking about. So here's a little bit about who I'm talking with today, Mary Amber. Mary Amber is a geek pop singer songwriter. Think lasers, kazoos, and ninja world domination. Her sound can be likened to a mesh of bright pop with a smidgen of 90s punk rock stirred in, topped off with a generous sprinkling of pop culture samples and video game synths. She's performed at shows as varied as comic conventions and alongside puppets, magicians, and medieval swordsmen to doing pre-show foyer entertainment for acts like the Doctor Who Symphonic Spectacular and the Flight of the Concords. Here is my really cool interview with Mary Amber. So that's a little bit about Mary Amber. So Mary, is there anything about you that is maybe a little bit different or unique that's not in your bio that you want to tell our audience? Well, I think especially related to this show, one thing that I wouldn't put in my bio, but is pretty important to, I guess, how I operate as a musician is that I write my own material, I perform it, I record all the parts, I produce all the parts and I self-manage, I book my own shows. I actually also do a lot of self-publishing, a lot of going out of my way to find collaborations and people to endorse my work and such. So it's more than just music. It's also the business side of it as well. Though, of course, you don't put that into bios in general. That's true. That's true. Although I feel like we should. It's it's amazing. I, I probably should have asked you, what is it that you do not do? <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> Definitely keeps you busy full time, huh? So um, how did you get started in music? Well, I've got the typical, I was a little kid story. Um, I really wanted to be bewitched when I was a kid, which is that <laughs> 90s girl group. I wanted to be all of them at once, um, especially the one that wore the cat shirt because I like cats. But um, uh, that, that's kind of what got me into it. I played guitar when I was uh, four years old. I was part of guitar ensemble. Didn't enjoy it an awful lot because I got teased at that age, but I, I don't know. I stuck with it. Went to a performing arts high school, talent school. And have been doing music all my life, really. Wow. Did you, I mean, did you, did you ever think like, I'm going to go into music full time or did it just kind of happen naturally? Well, I think it wasn't, um, it was a conscious decision because I, I was studying at university, something which is not music. I was studying accounting and law at the time. Oh, that's so and awesome. I, I also got a degree in accounting. Yay. <laughs> go accountants. Yeah, I should show you my accounting album. album. <laughs> <laughs> you have an accounting album? Yeah, <laughs> that was the one thing that came out of my accounting degree is I, I wrote an album of accounting songs that went semi-viral and I was in all the financial papers in Australia. It was a really embarrassing time at university because the lecturers started sharing it and saying, one child from this university created this thing. And I was in the lecture just turning purple and melting in my chair because oh my they were God. showing my videos and things around. And I was like, oh, 
Jesus. But, um, so awesome. I can't believe you have an accounting album. That's yeah. I, I have to link that to you later. Yes, for, for sure. I have to put that on our show notes. <laughs> so yeah. how, how did you, I assume you consider yourself a full-time musician right now, right? Yes, I am full-time. So you're making all of your income from music. Is there anything else you're doing on the side or are you just pretty much totally music? Well, it's all music, but I am diverse within music. So I'm a performer and a recording artist, but I've also written songs for things like videos and computer games and done music production stuff. So there's a little, I guess, sideways, but within the same realm sort of work going on as well. Mm. Cool. Yeah, that, that's a lot of cool diversification. <laughs> so when you started out, did you have kind of a time period when you really struggled and you felt like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I should give up and I should go back to my accounting and my safe world, you know, my safe business world. I know I personally did spend a bit of time in the safe business world before I did my music. Did, is there anything, you know, can you tell a little story maybe about when you just thought, oh my gosh, there's just no way this is not working for me, but then somehow you pushed through and, you know, what you learned from that and what can you tell our listeners that are maybe going through something like that? Um, first of all, I think existential crises with independent musicians is probably a weekly occurrence. Um, so yeah, if you're going through I've them, <laughs> it's pretty normal. Um, I, I play at comic conventions nowadays and there was a period in which I just finished a run of doing Comic-Cons and I didn't have any ones booked for the future. And there's not a huge number of Comic-Cons in Australia, which I think we're likely to get into later in the podcast. But um, it's kind of like my future relies on a very finite number of people booking me for these shows. <laughs> and I didn't have any booked. And I was like, it's over. I'm done. Life is at an end. Oh, the pain and the misery. I think I was helping my partner's family uh, fix their house or something at the time, like painting or something. And I was just like, my life is done. It's like smell of paint everywhere. And me just being like, I hate my life. And then I got booked for a con and I was like, well, wow, oh, life is good again. Life is good again. So I don't, I don't know whether that's me overcoming anything or just getting lucky there, but I guess that does happen. There's definitely periods where you're like, is this going to work out? I don't know. I think I see often too, that people feel like, oh my gosh, it's time to give up because it's just not working. And then like five minutes later, some amazing thing happens. Yeah. You know? so. I think that's the thing. You never know when it will. It's true. So. It's true. I don't know why that is. So was there any event or influence that really, you know, was critical to the development of your career? I think there's, there's quite a few of them. I mean, when I first performed my first original song, that was a pretty big deal. I was very young then. I performed a song called I'm Not a Hypochondriac. <laughs> and at the time, I took it very seriously, but everyone was laughing at me. <laughs> and I didn't understand this was because they thought it was funny. So I, I remember running back to, it was at music camp. I ran back to the cabin and I was all crying and in tears and people sharing the cabin with me came back and said, you did great. And I'm like, you're joking, right? Everyone was laughing at me. And they're like, it was meant to be funny, wasn't it? <laughs> so that was my first taste of my music isn't your normal everyday sort of music yeah. and I guess from that I learned to take that in my stride and just get used to the fact that people will occasionally laugh at me um that was pretty big well it seems like you've made that kind of part of your brand yeah I think I'm not a comedy musician per se 
but I like having songs in there that people can laugh at as well as having serious stuff. I guess it's more of a mixed bag, but none of it's super, super serious, I suppose. Mm. So what has been maybe the most mind-blowing thing that's happened to you throughout your career that you thought, you know, I better pinch myself. This doesn't seem like this is real. It must be a dream. Hmm. I think when I was in the talent school, I performed in School Spectacular. That was pretty huge because that was an entire arena and it was like tens of thousands of people watching and it was aired on television and everything. So that was exciting. Remember having my songs on radio that that had a similar sort of excitement level um, when things happen and you're like, oh my goodness, is this taking off? Um, Though it's kind of strange because I I don't know whether it's others will say this as well, but a lot of musicians I've spoken to often say the same thing where it's like smaller events where you really connect with everyone Mm. sometimes feel even bigger than the big events. Oh, it's so true because you're so separated from the audience when you're on a big, in a big arena like that. Mm -hmm. And when you're really connecting with them, I think in a small event, like a house concert or something, it, it can be such a high. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It just feels more electric. Like everyone is part of this big thing as opposed to I am performing at a wall of humans. Totally. Totally. So has your music been played on radio in Australia and have you broken into any other markets? My music has been played on radio, though I am not a radio artist. Um, My music is definitely more niche. I had um, some of my songs played on the independent music radio stations here. Um, I was uh, top of the Triple J Unearthed charts, which is like a chart for independent musicians in Australia at one point. And I had one country song, um, which isn't even that country. It's a song about Lego, but it had a country vibe to it. And I got played on like 60 radio stations, all country radio stations. And I was just thinking to myself, if someone liked the song and looked me up, they would be so confused. (laughs) Yeah. Where are the other It doesn't really go with your normal brand of having a country song. Still cool. (laughs) Still cool. (laughs) Interesting. That's cool. So I love your, you know, kind of geek niche that you're in. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, what gave you kind of the idea to embrace that geek niche and, create a tribe around, you know, performing at Comic-Con and, and other, I mean, maybe you can tell them a few of the interesting places that you performed and, you know, what made you think to kind of build your fan base that way? Well, it was, it was actually a little bit of a struggle at the start because I wanted to be more mainstream. And honestly, this is something we'll probably get to later, but it is a lot easier, especially in Australia, if you're more a mainstream kind of hipster indie music artist. And I tried that and it didn't fly. And it was actually really disappointing for me. Um, But people kept asking for my crazy songs. (laughs) It was a very common thing where I would do shows and people would be like, no, play this one. Or my friends would be like, when are you going to start playing the good songs again? And I'd be like, I'm putting like my heart and soul into these other ones. Come on, man. But, um, I guess I, I didn't really have as much of a choice, if that makes sense. It's, um, it's kind of what comes out of me. It's the sort of music I write. Mm. And it connects with people a lot better than when I'm trying to write the other stuff, uh, despite my best efforts. So it's kind of, I guess it, it came to a point of me embracing that that's who I am. It is songs about zombies and ninjas and Doctor Who and Lego and such is 
just what I've got to do because it's what comes out of me naturally and works. And yeah, the comic cons and everything um, was kind of me exploring different avenues, but also playing a bit of copycat to other crazy artists overseas. I know it's got much more of a scene over in America and I guess I took quite a lot of inspiration from that and I was very happy because I tried it and it worked. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess, I guess it's um, a mix of things. Comic-Cons is one of the main places I perform at nowadays. I've done some of my own solo shows where the support acts are magicians or chiptunes players or comedians. And I've performed at other sorts of quirky events as well, which have similar sorts of crowds, all the fun nutballs. So we, we all come together and it's brilliant. <laughs> That's cool. Well, so I read your, your long bio. Obviously we couldn't read that on here, but I loved your bio because I felt like it really brought out the uniqueness of you and made me want to know more about you. And I'm really curious, like, you know, did you write that? Did you get someone to help you write it? And do you have any tips for our artists on how to create a bio that's as engaging as yours? Thank you. I, I am very happy by that. I, I did write my bio. Um, I don't think it is a piece of literature greatness, but um, <laughs> I guess I tried to go into all the main things like um, when I was writing it. Let's see if I can bring it up for a sec. But I tried to go into the general what my style is, what you can sort of expect from my style at the start. Then I went into, um, I believe, my performances after that. And then my kind of awards, achievements, etc., as well. And yeah, oh, so I started with just an intro to my sound, then went into like influences, things I'm interested in. So what you can expect. Then it was the performances, and then it was um, awards and other things like that. I know that most people find things like awards pretty boring to read. You have to put them there because. That's, that's how people can go, oh, she's a legit musician. But, um, yeah, no, I do think they have to be there. They, I, I put them at the end so it can be more of a, this is who I am, can kind of get to know me at the start. I do perform. I don't just sit in my bedroom. Mm. My performances are fun. You should come to them. And then I'm legit, trust me, totally legit. Other people say so. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So I guess that was the flow and progression of that one. Well, I just, um, I kind of like how you describe the, the places that you perform and the sound of your music. It's, it, it's not just your average description. You know what I mean? Thank you. Which I think is important. It's not, and you're not saying like, I've been singing since the age of three. I've been singing before I could talk. You know, all those <laughs> cliche things that you see in bios are not that's in cool. bio. And that's why I like it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Win, win column. So how did you get connected with the, you know, kind of the performers and the venues of these interesting and niche kinds of performances that you do? Uh, well, in terms of comic conventions specifically, I started performing at smaller comic conventions in Sydney and they're, they're very small um, as a heads up. So a lot of the time I'd be performing to around 20 or so people at the very beginning. Um, I traveled all the way to Canberra to play at a zine fair, which I believe had more people actually running the zine fair than attending oh. that day. <laughs> but, um, they were very impressed with my dedication, which was lovely. Um, and I met some cool friends there. And I guess it's a sort of thing where the people that are hardcore into these comic cons will go to the smaller events and they'll see me around 
And I think I've gotten that comment from quite a few people that are hardcore con goers. It's, I see you everywhere. It's like you're following me. <laughs> it's uh, partially because there aren't that many conventions in uh, Australia. So I'm at as many as I can get to. But um, I think it built from there. So there was one um, artist that is also a person that runs a Comic-Con and he recommended I get in touch with some of the people in management at the time. So he kind of passed my name on after seeing me at a bunch of smaller conventions. And that's how I got my first, I guess, in with the bigger convention. Uh, It took a very long time for that to develop into anything. Mm. But when it did, it's been fantastic. So at at the very start, when I was doing music full-time, I actually had an agent and was doing cover shows because there is no way I could have made a living off my uh, geek stuff back then. Mm. So it kind of like grew and progressed. So you paid your dues as a cover artist for sure. Yeah, that that was, it wasn't a terrible time, but there were definitely some really not fun shows. Right. Ones in the middle of the night, ones with some really horrible audience members. Uh. But, you know, you know, everyone does it. Well, not everyone. Some people get lucky, but <laughs> quite a lot of us do it. So, so it does give you some cash, which is good. Yes, that, that is important, especially when you're starting out. I mean, I, I think when you're first starting out, you can't just handpick your gigs. You know, you have to, to pay your dues a little bit sometimes. Um, so right now, can you give us a picture of your streams of income? I mean, obviously you're doing all these conventions, you know, what are the, how does it kind of shake out as far as like any music licensing you're doing, maybe producing for other artists, you know, all the different types of performances that you do? Yeah. Well, um, I think performing is the major income stream. Um, I would say that not just because of performance fees, but also because that's where I sell a lot of my merch and CDs and even if it doesn't oh, so sell on the day, still buy your CDs. I keep having artists telling me nobody buys CDs. Well, that's rubbish. Uh-huh, that's that's what I- absolute rubbish. I sell so many physical copies of CDs. If I didn't do that, I mean, whoever's saying that, stop it. Stop uh-huh. it. <laughs> it's not true. People buy them. You just got to give uh, people something to buy them for. Say, I've got a comic that I also draw and ink and. So there's another thing I do. I make comics and they're part of the album booklets for my CDs. So you're buying not just my music, but you're buying the comic as well. And um, I find that CD sales as in physical CD sales are a big chunk of sell. Like I've got other merch as well, but people still want CDs. I, 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 I know many people that don't have CD players that still get my CDs. So I think it's just a thing that people get maybe. Australia is slow and eventually we'll get to the point where we don't need them, but I still find that we don't want that to happen. We don't, I don't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I find that very strange that people would say they can't sell CDs. I think if you don't, if you don't tour, if you're not a performer, then it might be harder because it costs more for someone to buy a physical CD and they have to wait for it to be delivered online. But I find that if I'm not performing, then I'm probably not going to be able to do what I do as a living. So I'm performing by default. Right. Right. um, I agree. Do you, do you create any kind of like special uh, merch bundles or anything that are popular? Yeah. I have a lot of kind of packs where you get multiple CDs or you get a CD and a yo-yo or like other things like that. But um, I think those are always cool and and enticing. Yeah. 
And I'll, I'll remember people who've bought stuff in the past as well when they come to my table and say if they want to buy a second CD, I'll give them a discount because they got the first one and mm. pretend that they're getting a pack and that sort of thing. It's a pack over a year's time or something, right. but you know what I mean. So, That's smart. And what about of, other sources of income? Do you do anything else, you know, maybe um, do demos for other people or do music licensing of any kind? Um, I have got my music uh, through a publishing deal as well. It's a non-exclusive deal, which means I can still publish my own work as well. Um, I also try and do commission work as well. So I've had people uh, commission music from me. Usually I'm not doing demos for other artists so much as I'll just do instrumental music or whatever for um, other people's projects. So I haven't thus far recorded another artist, but you know, wouldn't rule it out. Would be fun. Right. right. Totally. So I don't know if this question even makes any sense because I don't actually interview that many Australian artists, but do you think it's any different? And maybe you don't even know the answer. Is it any different being a, an indie musician in Australia than maybe the US or Europe? Um, I think in general, being a musician in Australia is probably tougher than overseas because of population. Mm. Uh, it's a smaller population and it's more spread. So it's the sort of thing where a lot of the time you read American sort of articles on how to become a musician and they say, play your local area. And I'm like, if I played my local area, I'm in like city suburban area. I still would be really lucky to get like a few dozen people to come along because it's spread out, you know? Mm. So, um, it's kind of different in that sense. So you kind of do have to travel to the main city centers, um, a lot of the time, unless you do country kind of pub stuff. Um, um, but, so is um, there a, a really thriving music in, you know, area in, you know, Sydney and the other big cities? I, I would debate that. I, a lot of people say Melbourne, okay, but it very much depend, depends on the genre of music you're playing. Mm. So say if you play hipster, indie, rocky music, then you'd probably find a thriving underground hipster, indie music scene in each city. If you play country music, then out in the country areas, they would love it. Um, if you do geek music like me, you basically got to chase the cons and go to like the geeky venues. So it's, it's different for each, um, each genre. You just got to kind of go where your people are, I suppose. I, yeah. But I think it, in general, if you're comparing Australia to overseas, I am very jealous of America because they seem to have so many comic conventions on mm. all the time. And mm. I think if I was there, it would be a lot easier to get work than here. But um, there's probably more people over in America and England in general. So it's probably a tad easier in that sense. I don't know whether they support their indie musicians. I've heard things... Um, on both sides where people say they do or they don't, but I think no country <laughs> puts enough support into their indie musicians really. So. Agreed. Agreed. So do you have any yeah, book or online resource that you would recommend to indie artists that are just starting out that maybe helped you or, you know, even if it's just something about self-development or the music business or songwriting, anything that you really loved along the way? Well, it's, it's actually funny because um, I think Ryan Cariella recommended me to you. Mm -hmm. He has a book which is really, really good. Oh, yes. Break um, the Music Business, right? Yeah. Break, and break I think one thing I really like about that book is it kind of doesn't just tell you like 
tips on how to make it as an indie musician, but it really breaks down the alternative of what would happen if you went with the big record deals and what they actually put their artists through. So you can kind of see, I guess, why it's worth trying to carve it out as an indie musician as well. Kind of breaks a few delusions, which is good and is also really good in terms of tips. Um, there's lots of free resources online, things like I'm assuming this podcast would be really good to listen to in general yeah. and in, like podcasts in general are very good because you, you can have like tea and draw pictures at the same time you're listening, which is brilliant. And I got, in terms of books, I've got a pile of books. It's kind of a mixed bag because there's some things I would take from some and some which I'd read and just be like, really? Things like when books say that CDs are done for and you should just stick to digital, things like that. I'm like, really? It's coming from your experience or are you writing this down? Because other people have told you. So I guess it's, um, it's read a lot, take everything with a grain of salt, pick up what works for you, try things out. If they don't, then drop them, that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, I do feel like some books are just kind of rehashed, uh, you know, generalizations that maybe they haven't even experienced, like you said. But I know, you know, Ryan, what's great about him is that he's an entertainment lawyer. And so, you know, he really knows what it, what would happen to you if you got a record deal versus not. And so I think that's what's so great about that book. That's a great recommendation. Break the Business is the name of that. And we will link to that in the show notes. So it has been really cool getting to know you and, 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 you know, the interesting different kind of side of, uh, you know, being in a different country and serving a little different audience. But I find that there still is so much commonality, you know, no matter what genre you're in or what, what country you're in about how we run our musician business. And I I often have people say to me, oh, well, should I join your academy? I'm in, you know, this other country. I'm like, no, it works, you know, worldwide. There are a little bit of differences, but pretty much being an indie artist is similar. You know, you got to learn how to market. You got to learn how to perform. You got to learn how to make great music and, you know, and that's about it. So it, I feel like we are pretty much on the same page even though, you know, we're very different as far as countries and genres. So it's been great to hear your experience and what you've gone through. So let us, let our listeners know how they can find you online. Sure. Um, my name is Mary Amber. It's spelled M-E-R-I-A-M-B-E-R. If you type that into Google at the moment, I'm the only thing that comes up, I believe. So <laughs> that makes, that makes that convenient. But, um, I'm on most social networks, even all the obscure ones that no one else is on. I'm probably there. I'm probably really active. So um, (laughs) if you, if you look me up, my website's probably the best place to start because you can listen to a whole ton of my music just by clicking the play button and see if you dig it. So is that maryamber.com? That's the one. And you're at maryamber on most social channels? Yes. Um, At one point I... At one point, I was facebook.com slash Music. I'm not anymore. Miss hmm. Miriam Burr, who was holding that um, URL, was a dead profile and eventually got taken away and I claimed facebook.com slash like nothing else. I was like, it's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like, you know, I would really want out there. That's funny. And you didn't even have to pay for it. That's awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. Well, everybody, you guys go, go connect with her, check out her music and, um, you know, watch what she's doing. I think she's doing some really cool stuff. Thanks so much, Mary, for talking with us today and giving us some insight on the way that you run your musician business. And peace. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.